So good morning, listeners, and welcome to Sacred Space 102 FM, which is a Commonsea Inspirations production being produced in our Commonsea studio here in Ada. And it's the 11th of June. It's the 15th Sunday in Ordinary Time. My name is John Keeley. And help me to present the programme again, Shane Ambrose. Good morning to you, Shane. Good morning, John. Thank you very much, Dave, for, for, for joining me, Shane. And also, we also want to welcome, uh, especially our listeners who are housebound, lonely, struggling, those listeners who listen to us every week um, tell us they enjoy the programme and we thank the Lord and we thank West Limit 102 for allowing us to produce and broadcast this programme. Uh, the programme is broadcast at 10am and 11pm each Sunday. The 10am session uh, includes Mass being broadcast live from Abbeyfield Parish and the second part of the programme is we bring you something from the current weekly Sacred Space programme. 11pm tonight is when the the usual Sacred Space programme is broadcast that includes Saints for the Week, any notices. Um, we speak with somebody on a te- faith topic. We'll speak about that shortly. And also we go through uh, ref- read and reflect on the Sunday Gospel. If you can't hear us live on West Limit 102 Local Radio, you can indeed listen as a part- from a podcast uh, and come and see inspirations.budspread.com. Just Google come and see inspirations, all one word. You'll find us there. We're also on Spotify, iTunes, and of course, other podcast platforms. Facebook uh, and come and see inspirations. All of those uh, options are there for you to listen back to this program and indeed any other program we've done for the last number of years on, West, uh, on, um, on come and see inspirations.budspread.com. You can contact us by text on 087 6088 That's 087 or email come and see inspirations at gmail.com. And as I mentioned earlier, as part of the introduction for every weekly program, Shane shares with us some saints for the week. So, Shane, have you got something to remind us of this week, please? Sure, John. So this week um, we're looking at the 15th week in Ordinary Time. So um, for those of us praying the Psalter, we're on week three. Now for those, uh, today of course is the is Sunday, so it's the 15th Sunday in Ordinary Time. So this year, um, the feast day of St. Benedict, the patron of Europe and abbot, obviously uh, writer of the rule of St. Benedict, which is the underpinning rule for the order that bears his name. Uh, it would not normally be celebrated because his feast day falls on a Sunday. Obviously, of course, one of the exceptions in our locality will be Glenstall because obviously it will be celebrated in the Benedictine House. So Tuesday, uh, Monday then, the 12th of July, is the feast day of St. Veronica. That is she of the Stations of the Cross wiping the face of Jesus, St. Veronica. So very much, of course, associated uh, with the tradition around the Stations of the Cross. There is no strict um, scriptural support for the tradition, um, but it's one that has been there for for many centuries. Um, There's also supposed to be a tradition that the the cloth with the face is kept actually in St. Peter's in Rome and is brought out for the veneration of the faithful on the fifth Sunday of Lent. Various different people kind of talk about and all the rest of it. So if you're interested, you can Google the Veronica and it'll come up. St. Veronica is patron against those um, domestic workers, laundry workers, linen weavers, oddly enough, parsonage housekeepers and seamstresses and washerwomen. 
So that's in terms of St. Veronica, whose feast day we keep on the 12th of July. Obviously, the glorious 12th. So for our neighbours of the Protestant tradition, they will, of course, be celebrating on the on the 12th as well. And obviously, again, as well, for our neighbours who are Muslim, the second Eid this year falls on the 12th of July. So uh, Eid Mubarak to, uh, to those as well. Then on Tuesday, the 13th, we have the feast day of St. Henry. Now, we're entering into the season of what is the Royal Saints, um, John. So over the next couple of weeks, we do have a couple of these that will pop up from various different countries. Henry is actually um, Bavarian, so we, could, we would say modern-day Germany. He was the Duke of Bavaria and then was elected the Holy Roman Emperor, and he was very much seen as kind of a reformer both of the empire, but also very much of the church. He died in 1024. Uh, Wednesday the 14th is the feast day of St. Camillus de Lelis. I think is how you pronounce the man's name. He died in 1614. He was rough-tempered, a gambler in his early life as a soldier and converted at the age of 25. Uh, he, under the guidance of St. Philip Neri, he became a priest and worked for the sick with two companions. And he's very much, of course, for his, his, his foundation, his order that he found is very much associated, the chameleons, very much associated with caring for the sick. So he's the patron of nurses, hospitals and the sick. And of course, uh, obviously, uh, it would be the feast day of St. Camillus's in Limerick. Mm. The, ter- the 15th of July is the feast day of St. Bonaventure. He is a Franciscan saint, died in 1274. Italian saint, born in Tuscany. He went on to become the minister general. That's the head honcho of the Franciscans, the, of the, and so a successor to St. Francis. He was created the Cardinal Archbishop of Albano, and he was a theologian at the, con- at the, col- the Council of Lyon, which is one of those big councils that kind of sits in tradition of Trent and Vatican II. The 16th is the feast day, of course, of Our Lady of Mount Carmel, very much associated, of course, the great feast associated with the Carmelites. And obviously, it celebrates the feast day very much associated with the scapular of Mount Carmel, the brown scapular, of course. Scapular, of course, is a cloth, meaning uh, which covered the shoulders, uh, very much associated with all the older uh, monastic orders or, or congregations very much associated, um, but the brown one, of course, is the one that's associated with the Carmelites because their 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 habit is brown, and very much of course the idea of the two you know with two strings and worn back and front. Great devotional which people have. The history of the of the scapular itself by tradition given to Saint Simon Stock, who was a general of the order, by the Blessed Virgin. And she said, receive my dear son, this scapular of thy order as a distinctive sign of my confraternity and the mark of privilege which I've obtained for thee and the children of Carmel. It is a sign of salvation, a safeguard in danger and a special pledge of peace and protection. And very much, of course, associated very much uh, with uh, the idea of uh, a good death, I suppose, was the tradition that was there, particularly to wear the brown scapular. Uh, so that's Our Lady of Mount Carmel's feast day is the 16th of July. Then finally, the 17th of July is the feast day of St. Uh, Marcelina. She was the sister of St. Augustine. And her name comes down to us in the tradition because he dedicated his book on virginity to her as she was a consecrated virgin in the church. She was his older sister and she died uh, She died before him. I've lost the year of her death. And I can't give you that this morning. So that's who we celebrate on the 17th of July, St. Marcelina, the older sister of St. Augustine. Right, John? 
Shane, thank you very much, Neil, for that. Uh, I just want to remind us again something we've mentioned over the last number of weeks. Um, the summer retreats from the Mount St. Alphonsus, the Redemptive Church in Limerick. That takes place um, starting off, um, actually it starts off tomorrow from Monday to Saturday of this week. Mass takes place at 10 a.m., talks at 11 a.m. and at 4 p.m. and adoration at 12 noon. You can access that through novena.ie online. So that's Summer Retreat, Mount St. Alphonsus, uh, Monday to Saturday, Mass 10 a.m., Talks 11am and 4pm, Adoration at 12 noon, and Preachers Father Jerry Maloney, Father Lawrence Gallagher, and Father Seamus Enright, and of course, uh, that's online only at novena.ie. I'm not too sure if you have anything yourself, Shane. You want to yeah, so just uh, two things which probably people would have seen in the news during the week. First of all, of course, uh, just touching back to last week's programme and Loch Derg, just a reminder to people that you can uh, check in and touch base with the island on lochderg.org. Uh, in terms of the news that was there during the week, um, people would have seen that um, Reek Sunday this year is actually, they are encouraging people that want to do the pilgrimage to do it over the month of July, not just on the last Sunday, which is the tradition. So if you are a person who wants to contemplate doing climbing Croke Patrick, make sure you check in uh, with the website of the, of the parish of Westport. And they will have the details of the, the, the various masses that have been done on the hill uh, during the week and confessions and so on and so forth. For any priests out there that might be willing to uh, do the climb and to help out, uh, get in touch. They did make the appeal during the week from the parish of Westport for assistance to basically man, um, man the chapel at the top of the Holy Mountain. Also, of course, we had during the week the very sad news that the Knock Novena 2021 is postponed. That's not actually cancelled. It was interesting reading the interviews and listening to the interviews with Father Gibson, who, of course, is the rector, the parish priest of Knock and the rector to the National Shrine. Uh, he did make the point that they will consider about holding it later in the year when things permit due to COVID situation. So for the moment, anyway, it is postponed. The National Novena at a, to Our Lady of Knock is postponed for 2021. So we will keep you informed once we have any clear indication when it's being rescheduled. Shane, thank you very much, Nick, for bringing us that. So finally, our Spirit of Communion prayer. And this is, of course, is the Spirit of Communion prayer uh, that we pray uh, each uh, Sunday on the programme for those who can't receive Jesus at Mass sacramentally. My Jesus, I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot now receive you sacramentally, come spiritually into my soul. I embrace you as being already there. I unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. So now, just before we go for our first bit of our second piece of music, Shane, we have some interesting guests joining us in part two. People might want to just stay tuned for. Yes, so in part two, we've been joined by Jane Mellett from Trocra and Rosa Connor from the, the Austin office to talk about Laudato Si and the up and coming events, particularly over the summer, resources that are available, and what's happening in the autumn uh, for the season of creation. Thanks for that, Shane. In the meantime, we'll go for our first bit of music, and it's sung by John Michael Talbot. This one is entitled, Come Worship the Lord. So, as Shane said, come back and join us in part two to join Jane Mellett and Rose O'Connor. Come worship the Lord, for we are his people, the flock that he shepherds. 
shout with joy to the rock who saves us. Let us come with thanksgiving and sing joyful songs to the Lord. Come, worship the Lord, for we are His And welcome back to Sacred Space, a Come and See Inspirations production here on West Limerick 102. My name is Shane Ambrose. Delighted to have you with us this fine Sunday morning. And we're delighted to welcome back to the programme two special guests this morning. Jane Mellett from Trotter. Good morning, Jane. Good morning. How are you? Not too bad. Good morning, Rose O'Connor. How are things at the Pastoral Centre? Good morning, Shane. Good to be with you again. And yes, all good. Uh, looking forward to a summer break shortly. So. I can imagine it's been a busy couple of months. Right, so this morning we are delighted to have Jane and Rose on the programme with us because we said we'd better touch base and just check in and see how things are going with the whole uh, promotion and encouragement and implementation of Laudato Si. Now, listeners might remember we had had Jane on the programme a while back telling us about Laudato Si. 
and it was around the time of the fifth anniversary because it's it's a it is a document which has been published by Pope Francis and which is is it five years out at this stage, Jane? So six years in May. Six years, yeah. six years in May. So for those of us that might have forgotten, or for those of us that don't or have never heard of it, what exactly is Laudato Si? Yeah, sure. So Laudato Si is Pope Francis's encyclical or letter on the environment. Um, the subtitle of it is Care for Our Common Home. I think it's a good way to refer to it. Um, it concerns the, the home we all share, our planet, our world. And um, it came out in 2015. It was the first um, encyclical from a pope on uh, creation, specifically on ecology, and addresses what's happening to our world at present in terms of the ecological crises we're facing and how, as people of faith, uh, we're called to act to be protectors of creation and what we might do about it. So it's very much, um, I suppose, the... The church's, uh, how would I put this? The church's take on very much the, the climate crisis we're having at the present time. Yeah, the climate crisis is definitely a major part of it. But he goes wider than that. He talks a lot about the biodiversity crisis as well. And um, he talks about things like the issue of water and access to, to water and many other issues that that affects uh, people in poor countries around the world, but also in, in the Western world. Um, at present also and deals with poverty um, economics, politics. So it's got quite a broad base, but I think the theme running through it is that um, our environments, our, our worlds is crying out to us. Uh, there are many issues and he asks us to, to listen to that cry. He, he says throughout the document, we need to listen to the cry of the earth and the cry of the poor and also the scientific community and what young people are saying to us now as well in relation to this. So, um, Rose, just looking last year um, for the fifth anniversary, we, we had quite a bit going on in the diocese around uh, the 24th of May, which was the anniversary. There was a number of resources print up, put online for the website and so on and so forth um, with the diocese. So I suppose from a local perspective, can you kind of give us an idea of things that might be happening or what are we doing and how people might get involved? Absolutely. Yeah. And I suppose in some respects, um, the this pandemic has given us a great opportunity because we've really started to build a community, you know, in the diocese and also with neighbouring dioceses as well. You know, so, um, you know, Jane mentioned the season of creation. That was our kind of launch last. Um, we had it in August. We had a, a webinar and, and there was some fantastic resources. Jane's very involved in developing that we made available to parishes, you know, so in terms of how they celebrate their liturgy, but also offering very practical tips I think, for people to um this thing like how can I personally make a contribution because this it's a huge area but everyone can make a difference I think that's important um so we we ran a book club actually on Laudato Sea itself then between the um, end of January and the 16th of February so we had four nights we had four different speakers Jane was one of them actually and also Betty Baker and Nia Brennan talking about our cosmic story and Donald Dar talking about that whole thing of ecological conversion but it was really supposed to get people thinking about and trying to break the book down because there's a lot in it there's a lot of detail in it and then we followed that up in um, the month of March with another book club that went through Fratelli Tutti which is one of the Pope's more recent encyclicals that kind of I suppose it takes a lot of what's in that to see but also looks at it in a broader context of kind of social justice and that so I suppose for us we're trying to get, get to the point where people can see, well, what can I do and, and how can parishes play their role? So we in um, 
in May, we had a Pentecost mission. And again, Jane came and did a great session with us on, you know, becoming a greener household and parish and some very practical ideas for people that, you know, we, we've kind of, we're making these resources available for people to look at and see, see where they can go with it. Um, and maybe I can talk a little bit more about our kind of future plans, but we, we, we sort of intend to continue the book club idea, but I think the thematic approach seems to work well. We're getting a good number of people engaged with this. And I suppose now we're trying to bring it down onto the ground into the parishes to see where we go with this. And I suppose just one of the other important kind of milestones, there was a, a um, international webinar um, recently that Bishop Brendan spoke at about the whole thing of divesting fossil fuels and the commitment of the diocese. And maybe Jane, you'd want to, to say something about that. I mean, that's a very, very uh, solid kind of um, message and, and sort of step to take, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's a real good news story from Limerick Diocese actually this year. Um, people may or may not be aware that there is a global divestment movement um, which has been very active for the past 10 years. And the idea is basically encouraging institutions to remove any investments that they might have um, that will be connected with the fossil fuel industry. Of course, the fossil fuel industry driving uh, the climate crisis that we're experiencing. Um, and the Irish Bishops' Conference would have taken that step back in 2018, um, you know, shining a light and, and being a witness to, to this fossil fuel divestment campaign. And then individual dioceses have joined that campaign since then. So during Ladada Sea Week, um, six Irish dioceses announced their divestment, uh, along with 36 other church institutions from around the world. And this was to celebrate the sixth anniversary of Ladada Sea. And Bishop Leahy would have spoken at a, an international webinar that was organised um, by one of the departments in the Vatican. And um, he spoke extremely well. But I'll just read a quote of his from that webinar. He said, um, listening to the cry of humanity, the cry of creation and the cry of young people, it became clear that our diocese could not continue its investments in fossil fuel related funds. Together, in practical steps, we can console our planet's cry and fossil fuel divestment is such a step. Um, so that quote from Bishop Leahy would, um, would have been well promoted and, and seen by thousands of people. And, and he spoke really well. And it was just, just great to see Limerick Diocese flying the flag uh, for this particular piece of activism. And we're hoping that many other dioceses are going to follow in their footsteps this year. Rose, just in relation to the, the things that have been done, so just looking back a minute, um, are any of those kind of events, uh, the book clubs, the Bishop Brendan's talk, are any of those going to be made available on the Diocesan website for people that might want to go find them? The, um, the book clubs weren't recorded because of the numbers and it was just, it would have been difficult to, to manage it from a GDPR. I'd be, I would imagine the, the um, Vatican webinar may well be. So that's something we can certainly look at actually to make it available. But I suppose like for us in Limerick, I think too, it's, it's been really important. I mean, partnership is key in this to me. And like, first the, the partnership with, with Jane and Troker and the kind of support that Jane can offer and all her expertise. Mm. But we've also been working very closely with the Solution Cosmology Group over the last year. And that's something that we're planning to continue now in Limerick because it's worked really well because they bring like 10 years of experience in this field and really kind of pushing and driving this agenda. And then we're kind of trying to ground it, I suppose, in, in the geography of, of the diocese. So that's something that's really important and for us a very important step forward. And um, so what we're actually doing at the moment, um, you know, uh, coming out of the, the end of the anniversary year, 
there's a, um, a Laudato Si platform is being launched by the Vatican. Um, and there, there's a seven step kind of plan that will be appearing shortly that will guide whether you're a diocese or a family or, you know, an institution that wants to take this on. But we're going to be working through that and um, working in partnership with the solutions. And really, I suppose it's bringing it down to, to brass tacks and to, to what can you do at the local level. But what we've begun to do now is we, we've invited our neighbouring diocese to work with us. I think there's, the numbers are important in this sense. You know, so we have we're getting good soundings of rather than every diocese trying to do the same thing themselves that we, we're looking at an interdiocesan work working group and, and certainly would be looking to Jane to help us to, to guide a bit on that as well, you know, to, to sort of, um, I suppose, look, bring it down to, I think, you know, for people at home, they can think, well, will I recycle and what else can I do? And sometimes it's the very practical steps that are needed. And like one of the lovely ideas that has come through actually from our, our formation group that are in formation at the moment is the idea of creating like a kind of a garden prayer space, whether it's in your your local church or even in your own home or if you have a public space to look at that so that's something we'll certainly be looking at you know as part of this kind of seven step plan that, that takes you over a period of time because you, you don't change these things overnight but every step along the way will make a difference I think. Jane just uh just linking in there what Rose was saying obviously um the whole the whole response to Laudato Si is very much uh, something which Trocra has taken up, very much fulfilling its mandate around the area of um, uh, 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 education in the area of of development and the call for justice, um, you know, arising from its mandate from the bishops' conference. So I suppose if people were just at you know today and were looking for ideas. Um, can they go to the website for Trocra in terms of stuff that that's happening and to see what's happened and what what other people are doing? Yeah, I mean, if you go on to trocra.org and in the search, just put in Laudato Si, um, all of our resources will come up. And, and mm. what will go on there really soon are the resources for this year's season of creation, which begins on the 1st of September. So the 1st of September is the World's Day of Prayer for Creation, and then the season carries on for five weeks up until the 4th of October, the Feast of St. Francis of Assisi. So I'd certainly encourage people to, to check in on the websites for those resources. And like we're just trying to promote, as, as Rose said, simple actions that people can do locally. So the big one for this year is going to be tree planting. And we've teamed up with Easy Treasy, um, who are, are helping us uh, to promote this and and they have the know-how and we're, we're teaming up on that for the season of creation. So it's something really simple that a family can do, a school, a parish, a diocese. Um, but also there'll be lots of liturgical materials. So if, if a parish or a group wanted to run a, a special service for the season of creation, um, all of that information will be on there as well. Um, and handy brochures either to print off or just to send around um a digital copy to, to people as well with you know tips tips for the home tips for the parish uh, and so on so um all very doable and you know we we start with ourselves so we always say so it's a global problem but you know we act where we can locally it's really important to remember that and just to say to people again the season of creation starts from when to when the first of september which is the world's day of prayer for creation and it finishes on the 4th of October, which is the Feast of St. Francis of Assisi. Um, St. Francis being the patron saint of ecology and creation. Um, so it's a lovely season and I think it's getting more popular in Ireland um, each year. And just really trying to encourage um, parishes and families to take part in whatever way they can. It's safe to do so this year. Mm -hmm. um, 
Yeah, yeah, go on, just go add on. in there um, yeah. quite what we have done the last couple of years, and we've we've run a physical event, but last year obviously had to be a virtual event. But we did have a webinar where we kind of talked through all of the resources that are available. There's a huge richness in it, um, and you know some of the practical ideas. So we'd certainly intend to do that again towards the the latter half of August is where normally we do it. So we'd be the parish ready then for this sort of go from the first of September, and you know make the best use of of the resources available. Mm. And just to say as well, of course, it is um, it is an ecumenical uh, season, so to speak. Actually, mm-hmm. as far as I'm aware, the original idea came from uh, Patriarch, Patriarch Bartholomew, yep. uh, who who is the ecumenical patriarch in Constantinople or Istanbul, uh, and then Pope Francis, of course, uh, took it on very much so with the publication of Laudato Si in 2015. Um, so just that's just we will um, we'll remind listeners of that again closer to the time. And Rose, we might just re- invite you back on for a quick um, five minute just reminder, just to say to people what resources are being made available, maybe sure. around the start to the middle of August. But in ter- ahead of that as well, Jane, you also mentioned there's a couple of things which um, from a from a an, an action point of view of people wanting to kind of, you know, make the point to get the point across that they are concerned about these issues. Uh, there is a couple of things coming up in relation, particularly to the UN conferences. Yeah. So people may or may not be aware. There's two really important UN conferences taking place in the autumn. There's one on biodiversity called COP15, which is taking place in China. And the other one is COP26, the climate conference taking place in Glasgow in November. These are really vital global conferences where, you know, important decisions have to be made um, by world's leaders in relation to the ecological crisis we're, we're undergoing. So coming from Pope Francis again and from the Vatican, there is a petition that Catholics are being asked to sign. And you can find it by going to www.thecatholicpetition.org. So it's the catholicpetition.org and add your name to that petition and send it to your families and friends um, and your parishes. Um, it's really an important action for this year and it can be done from now anytime up to um, and through the season of creation and t- up to November. These signatures, we're hoping to get millions of signatures on this petition. They will be presented to the presidents of both UN conferences in the autumn and it's really raising our voices as a faith community to urge them to act and you know joining the voices of young people and many other faith groups around the world so it's really simple and um, you go onto the website you add your name and you add your voice to the campaign and give us that can you just give us that website again one more time Jane? sure it's www.thecatholicpetition.org catholicpetition.org so hopefully people uh, will be able to get involved and to to link in there as well no harm as well i suppose to listeners this morning maybe just to ask around your parish and to see if anything or is has been happening over the last while in relation to this obviously with the covid restrictions things have been I suppose, slightly in hibernation, particularly with pastoral councils and pastoral units. Maybe this is something that uh, could be taken on as a project that could be done across parishes. As Rose said, we're looking at this from the point of view of multi-diocese in the province, in the Munster province. So also good for something to think about for parishes to consider taking on. Maybe this could be a project for the autumn for pastoral units and pastoral councils to consider. So uh, just to close it up, I suppose here, because time is against us, Jane, um, in terms of Laudato Si itself, so the Pope's own document, 
for you, you know, because obviously you're living and breathing it at the moment because this is your world. Um, I suppose if you were to pick out maybe one or two quotes uh, kind of that you think are summing up what Pope Francis was trying to tell people uh, in that document, is there anything, one in particular, that kind of jumps out at you? Yeah, um, there's many, but I think I think the one of the more important ones for me is where he says, what kind of world do you want to leave to those who come after us, to children who are now growing up? Um, and, and that's, you know, something that I hope would resonate with, with everyone. Um, what are we leaving to come in generations and our ability to, to live as human beings in this world? Um, we're, we're living through a, an example of it at the moment with COVID-19. So that would be the main one. But the other one would be um, where he says uh, living as, you know, protectors of God's handiwork is a key part of our vocation as Christians. So he he calls us to this eco conversion and he says this isn't something secondary. It's central to our Christian faith. Perfect, Rose. Our, uh, Jane, sorry. Thanks a million for coming on the program with us this morning and just kind of filling us in on upcoming things. So it's the catholicpetition.org, folks. And we, Rose, we'll look forward to having you back again, even for a quick catch up in August, just in terms okay. of what's going to be done in Limerick for the season of creation, which runs from the 1st of September to the 4th of October. And uh, particularly, I'm, I'm going to be curious to see what we're doing from a tree planting point of view. I think that a lot of people might be interested to hear how that's going to go. And so for those out there, for mums and dads that are looking for things maybe to do with the kids over the summer holidays, check out Trocra. And if you go to the search engine, that's trocra.org. And if you go to their search engine, you put in Laudato C, you get the resources that are there and which are available and which you can dip in and out to. So, folks, thank you very much for uh, for joining us this morning on the programme. John, our piece of music. So the piece of music we're going to play to play at the second part of the programme this morning is by Monica Brown. And this one is entitled Celebrate and Dance. So join us again in part three, where we read and reflect on the word of God. i uh-huh. 
Welcome back again to the third part of uh, Sacred Space 102 FM. My name is John Keeley, still joined by Shane Ambrose. I hope people were fully informed as to what uh, Jane Mallett and um, Rosa Connor had to share with us this morning. Thanks a lot for bringing that to our attention, Shane. So now it's time where we read and reflect on the Word of God, the Sunday Gospel. And before that, Shane always prays this prayer before reading and reflecting on Scripture. Thanks, Shane. Lord, we thank you for putting us in the presence of your word, which you inspired in your prophets. May we approach this word reverently, attentively, and humbly. May we not despise this word, but receive all it has to say to us. We know that our hearts are closed, often incapable of comprehending the simplicity of your word. Send your spirit to us, so that receiving the word in truth and simplicity, our lives may be transformed by it. Let us not be resistant, Lord. May your word penetrate us like a two-edged sword. May our hearts be open to it, let not our eyes be closed nor our minds wander, but may we give ourselves entirely to this listening. We ask this Father in union with Mary Hughes to recite the Psalms through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. So now we read the Gospel for today, which is taken from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 6, verse 7 to 13. Jesus summoned the twelve and began to send them out in pairs, giving them authority over the unclean spirits. And he instructed them to take nothing for the journey except a staff. No bread, no haversack, no coppers for their purses. They were to wear sandals, but he said, Do not take a spare tunic. And he said to them, If you enter a house anywhere, stay there until you leave the district. And if any place does not welcome you, and people refuse to listen to you, as you walk away, shake off the dust from under your feet, as a sign to them. So they set off to preach repentance. And they cast out many devils, and anointed many sick people with oil, and they cured him, and they cured them. So this is the gospel for today, Shane. A thought you might share with us, please? Yeah, so we're continuing on with Mark's gospel as we are journeying with Mark through the current liturgical year. And we have here the beginning of the work of evangelization for the Twelve Apostles. And it's interesting, I suppose we could break it down and work it through and kind of see, well, what does it speak to us of um, today? So Jesus summoned the 12 and sent them out in pairs. And I always find that interesting. Um, If you think about a lot of things in scripture, like the journey to Amos, that was two people. Um, The different miracles we heard recently, like Jarius, Jesus took three of the apostles. Um, Again, it was the three of the apostles that went up Tabor. So it's a reminder to us that the journey of faith is not one that we're called on necessarily to make alone. And I suppose the question is, who is your companion for the journey? And there's a reminder to each of us, I suppose, that, and it's something, I suppose it goes back to this very old Irish tradition as well, the idea of the Anam Kara, this person 
that you can journey with on the, you know, on the journey, someone that you can talk to about things like that. Something for us maybe to think about um, this Sunday morning in terms of who do I make this journey of faith with? Who is the person that I can, you know, have the conversations with? Uh, some people have spiritual directors. Uh, some people have prayer guides. Uh, but I suppose the question is, you know, we're sent out in pairs, you know, each of us are sent out as part of a pair to spread the good news. And think about that this Sunday morning. And he's instructed them to take nothing for the journey except a staff. No bread, no haversack, no cops, coppers for their purse. And it's an interesting one because later on, um, I'm not sure if it's in Mark's gospel or in Matthew's gospel, when he sends out the 72, Jesus allows them to take these things. So initially he's sending out the apostles and he's very much saying to them, depend on the grace of God and very much to depend on the love of neighbor. Because of course, Obviously, looking at this, there's the whole issue of um, going into villages where the responsibility of hospitality was quite strong. And it still is to the present day, actually, in parts of the Middle East. Um, So they would be depending on the hospitality of those that they were visiting. But I suppose if we were to bring it back to our day, take nothing for the journey except a staff. So the question that would arise for each of us is, how much baggage am I carrying around? Are there things that I need to let go of? Are there things that I need to set down and forget about? Um, A lot of people would have had time to think about these things, particularly during COVID. So maybe kind of as we start to move back into more normal existence, maybe there's a question we need to ask, well, what do I need to do in terms of some of that stuff that I'm carrying? Um, Not quite, you know, doing an absolute clear up, but maybe that's what would be necessary. Um, just something to think about on this Sunday morning. Now, that comment, they were to wear sandals, uh, but do not take a spare tunic. People, once Someone asked me, well, what's the whole point about them wearing the sandals? Um, I don't know, to be honest. I presume it's the idea that they would have to travel far and it would be the easiest journey in the world. Um, so just something just to think about. Um, then it's that whole thing. If you enter a house, stay there until you leave the district. And that reminded me very much of a great tradition um, from an Irish point of view. If you enter a house and saying to those, God bless all here. And that reminder, because it says, I think it's in Matthew's gospel, or Luke's gospel, when we're looking at the exact same set of instructions that Jesus gives to the disciples, he says, you know, if your peace, your, if someone of peace is there, your blessing will sit on them. So it's a reminder to us, those little traditions, those little everyday encounters with the divine that we can bring to people's lives. And there's that line, shake you if if people if any places that welcome you and people refuse to listen to you as you walk away, shake off the dust from under your feet. Now the symbol symbolism of that was quite strong in a Jew- Jewish culture because basically if you shook off the dust, you were signifying that the land in which you walked was pagan, and therefore from a Jewish point of view was outside the remit of God. Um, so it's an interesting one. He Jesus is talking about this in terms of the villages that they were going to 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 visit, and sometimes that's a question that we need to ask ourselves from a two point of view. Sometimes there's the point of view of we can have a tendency to go into a bunker metal, bunker mentality, where basically anything from the secular world is wrong. So we shake off the dust and we kind of draw up the drawbridge and we circle the wagons. There's a danger in that, in that you can become too self-referential and too closed in on how you think and act and reflect and pray. Um, The other side of it, of course, then, is also maybe 
there is times that we need to turn our back on the world. And I'm just thinking back actually to last week's program, of course, the linkage into Loch Derg and the great prayer when you stand at the gable of the Basilica in front of the crosses and bridges and you say, I reject the flesh, the world and the devil. And that reminder to us that we are called to, to change, which link, links into what the mandate that he gave to the disciples in this Sunday's gospel was that they went to preach repentance. And repentance, as we often said on the program, at the point that we've come back to um, again and again uh, when we're doing our reflection, is the whole idea of metanoia, this business of conversion of heart and turning back to God. And the idea and the reminder to each of us that God is waiting there for us if only we would turn around and embrace him. Very much, of course, that idea of the prodigal son returning to the embrace of his father. So in terms of this Sunday's gospel, there's a, it's quite short, but it pulls a fair bit of punch in there this Sunday. So I would suggest maybe you take it and pair it apart, and think about it and ask yourself the question, well, where am I in the story? Am I one of the apostles that's been sent out? Am I, do I go out and promote the gospel? Is there something there, baggage that I need to leave behind? Uh, the question for us there in terms of that whole sense of metanoia, repentance and calling back to God. Are we making space and time uh, to hear that message for each of us, however that message may come, and creating the space for us to be able to turn back to God, the God who's always the God of welcomes, the God of surprises, the God who is there to embrace each and every one of us as we need and as we are called by virtue of our baptism. So John, a few thoughts for this week's Gospel. Shane, I appreciate that. Thanks a lot for sharing those thoughts with us. Uh, for myself, just reading through the Gospel and reflecting on it this week. Of course, the, the Gospel this week speaks of Jesus uh, summoning the Twelve and sending them out on a mission, as Shane said. Send them out to preach repentance, and as Shane just said, and I have to remind myself about this too, the, the Greek uh, translation of this uh, for the word repentance uh, is metanoia, which is a change of heart. And uh, if only we could just focus in on that, for myself anyway, uh, change of heart rather than than a traditional thinking of repentance. But this is what we're called to do to to, to pass on to others as well to change to change my heart. If I change my heart and change the way I see the way things are and and how I can live my life, then others will see that within me. Um, and and do that too without, as Shane just mentioned there before bringing baggage with me bringing my own thoughts, bringing my own stuff that uh, I want to stay focused on. That's maybe as Shane said, um, time to time we need others to travel that journey with us to, whether, whether that be a spiritual director and definitely as far as I'm concerned you know, to, to be able to to accompany, uh, to, to have accompany me in, in my life the 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 Gospels and the Word of God, and if possible, even with that with a group. I, I personally used to like Lectio Divina when we were able to have it in person in Newcastle West because uh, people would share their own thoughts that were given to them by the Holy Spirit uh, with the rest of us. And there were times when I needed to hear that because I needed to hear what somebody else was speaking the truth and maybe I wanted to avoid that particular truth. Someone out there might need me or need you or need Shane or whoever it might be to share the good news with them. Let's ask the Holy Spirit, maybe, to guide us and encourage us to follow our calling in passing on that message, which we were fortunate enough to be able to get from other people in our lives. 
my few thoughts on that, Shane. And thank you very much there for sharing your thoughts and also for bringing on uh, Jane Mallet with us and um, and Rose O'Connor, both of them very well as far as I'm concerned they, 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 they presented the message very well to us today and of course as you said we'll be reminding our listeners over the weeks the various uh, items that you spoke about this morning so thanks for that Shane we'll now finish off our programme with um, uh, maybe, it, maybe it's, a, it's a song that uh, might uh, echo lines here from the gospel it's, uh, it's by John Michael Talbot again it's entitled Lilies of the Field so from self and Shane, thanks a lot for for joining us. Join us again next week, where we're signed, we're joined with with wife uh, sister Katrina Kavanagh, who's a vocations director for the Diocese of Lumley. But in, in the meantime, for myself and Shane, thanks for joining us, and we'll meet you again next week. God bless you now. Bye.
love is righteousness for wherever your treasure lies there will you find your heart so see